Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Hispanics and Latinos are the largest minority group in the United States. They make up nearly one-fifth of the nation. And for the last few years, you know, pundits and, and think tanks, they've been trying to, you know, watching their changes, numbers on the religious front as well as politics. Um, a new Pew survey shows how Hispanics are... 43% Catholic, a large drop from 2010 when they were 67% Catholic. Um, here to talk about the changing landscape in the Hispanic religious community and their importance in politics and immigration reform is Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. He's the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, world's largest Hispanic Christian organization representing about 42,000 churches. He's also a best-selling author of several books and the latest, Your Mess, God's Miracle, The Process of Temporary... The process is temporary. The promise is permanent. Welcome, uh, Reverend Rodriguez. Thank you for having me. Glad to be with you again. Well, you are you're incredibly um, involved in the landscape of the community, of the Hispanic community, but also just the evangelical community, the religious community, um, so involved um, with different administrations uh, at the White House. So this is really a pleasure to talk with you today. Um, I want to talk about this survey because um, I'm always a little wary of these surveys, even with an organization um, as reputable as Pew. So what is your take on this survey? Yeah, when I read first, when I first read the survey, it, it cost a little bit of, uh, slightly a bit of acid reflux. <laughs> uh, and let me explain why. I agree there is an issue with millennials and Generation Z regarding uh, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, unaffiliated indeed. Right. Uh, but I do believe there is a nomenclature descriptor issue in the methodology. Let me explain. Pew okay. is, is impeccably integral. Uh, they do things above reproach. It's, uh, and I love Pew Research. Yeah. However, in the Latino community, unaffiliated uh, Latino people of faith, be it Protestant or Catholic, they really, we kind of repudiate notions of items, denominational sort of enclaves. Mm -hmm. For example, in the evangelical world, the largest constituency are non-denominational affiliated. Right. So if you were to ask a Latino Christian, pick one of the following, evangelical, Catholic, Protestant, or non-affiliated, to them, non or to us, non-affiliated actually means, yeah, we're not part of a formal denomination. We're part of an independent Christian network. So the term non-affiliated may not equal what it means to the rest of Christendom and to the collective you know, populace here in America. So I do have a little bit of issue with the methodology regarding that term, mm -hmm. unaffiliated. With that being said, 21% Protestant, 47% Catholic, that's a significant dip yeah. in 10 years. Yeah. Very measurable. Um, and, and that should provoke some questions. But at the same time, Lord, you would you know, assume that the growth would emerge in the Protestant, primarily evangelical world. And that 15 to 16 percent evangelical community, is it's aesthetic. It's just a little bit more than what we had in 2008. We were at 12 percent, but it's steady. So it's not some sort of massive, ginormous growth. What we have seen is that Latino evangelicals are more politically active. Yeah. What we have seen is that Latino evangelicals vote conservative. That same survey would, would came to the conclusion that Latino evangelicals are primarily Republican. 
about six, seven percent above the rest of Latino evangelicals. The majority vote Republican, then independent, then Democrat. But Latino Catholics are 72 percent Democrat, Democratic voters. So there is tension. Yeah, yeah. I always feel these numbers, though, are skewed to what a liberal mindset wants to hear. Right. Because you you bring out the whole nomenclature issue of being unaffiliated. It doesn't mean they're atheists or that they have no religion at all or they don't believe in God. It is such um, a strange title that depending on what your sort of mindset is and your authority, you take nuns to mean atheists or I don't believe in God or I've rejected religion altogether. And that's not what it means. So when you've got a rise to 30 percent in Hispanics that are nuns, that doesn't mean they don't believe in God, that they're not religious. And that's the problem here. That is the problem. Lord, you need to explain to me what happened in Florida. If 72 percent of Latino Catholics are hardcore Democrats, then why did they vote for Ron DeSantis? See, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> you you so, explain no, that because you really know. Right, I mean, so that's because we're pro-life, pro-religious liberty, yes. biblical justice, and against socialism and communism because we believe that government is not God. There it is, simply stated. And so, I I I mean, I'm not denying that Pew tried their best to you know come out of a survey that captures the Latino religious demographic, but I do believe there's. A, an incredible amount of information embedded in in, in more data. And it, it requires extreme data extrapolation that will really come out to a more clear picture of who we are. We I just are don't think, liberal. I just, I think the people who run these organizations, and remember Pew, of course you say is, I believe is reputable. And, and you know, our polling here at Fox is always willing to go with the Pew numbers because, or le- because they're legitimate and because they do their homework. And But there is always that blind spot in the questioning that totally. y- you have this idea of what Hispanics believe. And because yeah. they're associated with either a Catholic or, or a evangelical Protestant, they don't understand the deeper meaning of what it means to be non-denominational. What should your audience know from this survey? Yeah. Latino are still people of faith. Yeah. And, and we're holding on to faith a bit more in a more stronger, viable, not, not in, a, in double, triple digits, but we're holding on to faith a bit more than the, 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 the rest of the American populace. Number two, uh, we are either Catholic or we're evangelical. There it is. And but there's a common denominator between the Catholics and evangelical, which I, I think is just surprising and interesting. We are primarily charismatic. Mm-hmm. So even Catholic Latinos attend services that are you know passionate worship, music. Some of them engage in a prayer language. Uh, yeah. And then Protestant evangelicals, of course, 86 percent of them self-identify as charismatic Pentecostal spirit and power. So there it is. So we are a passionate, Holy Spirit community loving Jesus, either Catholic or evangelical, holding on to faith. And we don't like the term affiliation. There it is. That's the yeah. Latino faith community in a nutshell. Yeah, it's, it's a total different kind of understanding of a community. But one of the things that I think a lot of people may have not realized is how the Hispanic community actually took over as the largest minority over the African-American community a few years ago, Um, you know, almost a fifth of the nation. 
And what does that tell you about the Hispanic community? And we can bring up the issue of immigration just a little bit, but what does that tell you about the, the, the Hispanic community? It tells us that the future of the American landscape as it pertains to politics, culture, the future of America in the 21st century, at least, will be defined by the reality of the Hispanic American experience. And again, let not your heart be troubled. It's a community committed to faith, family, hard work, and a multi-generational legacy, one generation to the other, very traditional. So if these issues, if faith bothers you, family bothers you, hard work bothers you, then you should be bothered by the Hispanic American infusion. But the Hispanic American infusion will reinvigorate and affirm the Judeo-Christian value system that undergirds everything we do in America as a culture and a society, even in our political apparatus. So it is, we are the largest ethnic minority group, um, but we continue to assimilate but we continue to impact likewise and inject into America a brand new infusion of faith. We are faith. We really are faith. We're driven by faith. Go back to Florida. Why do yeah. Latinos in, in Florida vote for DeSantis? The majority of Latinos voted for Ron DeSantis. This is not a Ron DeSantis plug. I'm just giving you numbers here. Yeah. Why did Latinos vote for Ron? Why, why did 44% of Latinos vote for Governor Abbott? He's close to 50% in Texas. What's going on? Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> you you tell me. Faith. We are we are driven by faith, so we're not primarily super diehard Republicans, and, but we're definitely not liberal. We're not progressive. That we are not. We're not this progressive woke cancel culture group. We're we're actually very vehemently opposed to it. That's why the Democratic Party is going to have some issues in the next four eight years. They are because it, with the Latino community, they're losing. So they are losing with the community. They are doubling down in the African-American community. There's some de minimis shift there, about 4 or 5%. Yeah. But with the Latinos, they've lost 15 20% in a matter of eight years. So they need to get their act together. And then the Republicans have to deal with immigration in a way that's both the rule of law, but, but actually speaks to the reality that immigrants, when they come here legally, are a blessing to the collective American experience. Now, let's. I want to get to the thing of the, the Democrats and the Republicans' blind signs, I guess. The, the Democrats ignore the Latino community's pro-life feelings to their own detriment, right? I mean, I think they don't get that that's, that's an incredible part of the community, right? They have multiple blind spots. One, the pro-life. Second, religious liberty. And and what happened during COVID, California and other states locking down Latinos. Aha! That was a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, blind spot, pro-life, pro-religious liberty. Uh, and another blind spot is the size of government. So socialism, communism, Venezuela, Cuba, Bolivia, Ecuador, Nicaragua. Uh, Latinos look at this and say, we have family members, cousins, and church members who come from totalitarian communist, socialist experiments and regimes. No way do we want that in America. So every time you hear Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez elevate socialism or Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, Latinos are going like, we're leaving, we're out. Democratic mm-hmm. Party is no longer what the party of John F. Kennedy, Bill Clinton or Jimmy Carter. This is the cuckoo for Cocoa Puff Party. <laughs> so it's, and I'm, I'm no joking, they, I'm not kidding. it's funny. But Latinos are going, we're out. This is because it's just nuts what's happening. So they do have blind spots and the and parental rights, Lauren. Parental rights. Yeah. We are very familia. Right. So the idea in Washington state, the governor just signed a law 
where government has the authority to come in and take your child away. If your child identifies with a gender different from the gender that child was born with, with no age limits. And the government can come in and say, we will take away your child because government is God. Wow. Yeah, this this is is, this this is, is this is very scary stuff. Totally. And Latinos are going like, this is not what we signed up for. It's not what we migrated to America for. It's it's not what our forefathers came here for. No. But can we make a change? I do believe Latinos will make a radical change as it pertains to the cultural and political landscape of this nation. We are. We're going to shift this nation to, to a more common sense, logical, reasonable American worldview undergirded by our Judeo-Christian value system. Now, I want to get to the immigration issue because there's been a 25% jump in migrant crossings through the southern border. In March alone, we are facing um, illegal immigration are at historically high levels. This is an issue. What's your, what, what is your solution for this? Yeah, no, and I gave this solution uh, over dinner when, when we were advising President Trump. He brought me in on the issue and had me actually... A mitigate between Nancy Pelosi and the White House. Um, the solution is this: right now, stop illegal immigration. Stop, st- literally, stop it. We mm-hmm. we have the technology with infrared technology, satellite imaging. Hey, listen, if we can see the license plate somewhere in Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan, yeah. we can see thousands crossing the Rio Grande. So all we need to do is incorporate technology, stop them from coming over, uh, stop catch and release. Stop this ludicrousy. Stop six million undocumented individuals coming into this nation. It's wrong. It's 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 egregiously wrong. It's malfeasance. It's morally reprehensible. It's it's funding the cartels. It's expanding it and elevating human and sex trafficking to the next level. It's it's just not right at any level. So we can stop it. Number one. Number two is we immediately do the following. If you're here in this country. Um, and you came in here in the past 15, 20 years illegally. Here's what we're going to do. And you're working hard and you're not living off government subsidies. So you're not living off welfare, but you're working hard. We know you have a fake Social Security number, but but you've been working hard here. You broke the law, came in here illegally. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a green card. If you've never been involved in a crime, if you're not involved in nefarious activities, we're going to give you a green card, but you're never going to become a citizen. Mm. Ever, ever, ever so. Help us, mighty God, because there's a price to pay for coming here illegally. But you've been here for 15, 20 years, and your kids were born here or they were raised here. Your kids can become citizens. You can never become citizens, period. But you're no longer living in the shadows. We stop people from coming here illegally. Stop the ludicrousy. Finish the wall that Donald Trump began and utilize different sectors of technology and, again, everything that we have. Let's do that immediately. I promise you, even the Freedom Caucus will sign on to that idea. The the, the, the reason why progressives really don't do anything about illegal immigration and Mallorca should resign immediately mm-hmm. is because they look at human beings as political tools. All they're looking for are future voters. And that is, it is, it is to me, reprehensible. And I'm gonna, as a pastor, I'm going to be careful of my words here. It, it is sinful. For you to exploit a human being yeah. that can that can be sexually molested, and they have and thousands are sexually molested, coming over the border. How dare you? All because you want three, four, five, six more votes and secure your power. 
It's wrong. It's completely wrong, and something needs to happen. I'm passionate about this, so please forgive me well, for I'm, becoming I mean, a bit. I, but, but I'm also wondering if this is is, is this the um, the Republicans' blind spot? Because I know the Democrats have their own blind spots, but the Republicans, even when you mention giving green cards to people who've been here illegally for 15 to 20 years, even no criminal background, nothing, been paying their taxes. This is an objection to a lot of people in the Republican Party. Um, so what are we going to do? It's, 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 like re- it's rewarding bad behavior. No, but it's not. Re- okay, so so the other option is, let's. what do we do? We will permit them to live in perpetuity in the shadow, mm-hmm. funding the cartel and the dark web and the black market. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. So, I, I mean, it's not it's not utopia. It's it's not the new Jerusalem, ladies and gentlemen. We have to work in a practical, common sense solution. My issue is this. Again, if they're here 15, 20 years, not living off welfare, never involved in a crime other than coming here illegally, they overstayed their visas, which is about 60 percent. All right. You're going to you're going to stay here with a green card at your discretion, but you're never going to become a citizen. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, ever. That takes away the political magnet on behalf of the progressives. And and it really will bring clarity to those that came here for a better day with their families. But it stops. And from that moment on, we do what Ronald Reagan, who I love, did not do. We 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 secure the future by saying now anyone who comes comes here illegally going forward, there is no more green card. There isn't. We will turn you around and you won't even be able to come into America to Disneyland on a three day holiday. <laughs> um, let, let, let's take a break right now. I want to come back um, real quick and we're going to talk about your book and we're going to talk about Title 42 real quickly. Uh, we'll be right back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with uh, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. U.S. Bank is ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in California. And since California is home to most award shows, we've prepared a thank you speech for such an occasion. To the people of California, we've been proud to help you plan, budget, and save smarter in a way that works for you. Our tools and friendly advisors would have no place to really shine if it weren't for you, and we can't thank you enough for that. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for our many branches and ATMs that are always a helpful hub for U.S. Bank customers. And of course, a huge thank you to our real-life humans because they really go above and beyond for our customers every day. J.D. Power wouldn't have named us Best in Customer Satisfaction without you. To the person recording this right now, even though we just met, you feel important to this journey too. Oh, and to our moms. Hi, moms. This award isn't just for U.S. Bank. It's for you all. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Member FDIC. Okay, and we're back with Reverend Sandra Rodriguez. Um, he is the... Um, uh, the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, world's largest Hispanic Christian organization. Um, we've been talking about immigration. Um, Title 42, that's the big thing that's happening right now. Title 42, um, your thoughts on that? I mean, I can almost guess, but what your thoughts are on that? I mean, with the Republican majority in the House, knowing that President Biden will veto, will veto any piece of legislation coming out of the house that will secure our borders, that will bring an end to catch and release, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that will stop over 6 million individuals coming in in the past few months illegally. And the majority of them are single males. So this is not groups of family. This could be kidding me. And even on the Senate side, I, I, we have Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, 
the, the, the X factor continuously on this issue. And there are a couple of Democrats that in the next cycle are up for re-election in states that are now turning purple, if not red. Hence, I think they may actually wiggle around and say, we're going to provide some cover for the House. But again, it's not going to be over that 60 threshold yeah. that we need to override the veto. That's our reality right now, Lauren. So regardless of what happens regarding Title 42, we have a president in the White House who is fully determined on this open border. I know people are going to accuse me of you're exaggerating. It's not an open border. It's an open border. It well, is. He doesn't. I don't, even, I don't think President Biden knows what he's getting with the Hispanic community that's coming across the border. I think he I mean, you know, stop me if I'm wrong, but I think he believes that these are more potential Democratic voters. Totally. Totally. But again, President Biden, and bless his heart, in, in the words of the great Southerner, bless his heart. But <laughs> President, President Biden has no idea. It's basically his team. Whoever runs his show in the White House um, is, is the one, you know, just determining whether or not he has no idea. He does believe it's future bo- voters. But here's surprise, surprise, surprise. In the words of Jim Neighbors, Gomer Pyle, what are we having? Latinos, immigrants are voting what? more conservative and Republican, even that Pew research that we referenced. Yeah. Immigrants, not Latinos that have been here three, four generations, brand new Latino citizens are voting what? Republican. You mm. heard me clearly here. Mm. How about that? How about that? Surprise. So what if, what if, what if the Democrats in thinking we have new voters coming in? It's a Trojan horse. What if these new voters come in here and, and then inevitably become citizens and they turn it around and go like, wait a second, we're, we're Christians. We're people of faith. We don't believe in this whole, nope. And, and they start supporting Republican candidates. That's what we saw in Florida. We see that in Texas. We're seeing it in New Mexico and Arizona, even believe it or not, in California. So there it is. Things are shifting. Are, are, are Republicans shifting. missing an opportunity here though? Because you're what you're saying is that the Republicans can take advantage of all the the not advantage of them, but the advantage of their ideas and, and ideology that are coming across the border. They do. They, they it, it's. I remember this this issue back when I, we were working with with President George W. Bush on this. It, George W. Bush was was amazing as it pertains to reaching out to the Hispanic community. He he, he obtained forty four percent of the vote in two thousand and four of, of Latino vote in America. Pretty amazing, uh, and and no other president has matched that since. Uh, but I remember that he had to counter the the rhetoric from Tom Tancredo and James Sensenbrenner mm-hmm. and Pat Buchanan, who talked about a nativist. Literally, they would say America is losing its color. <laughs> oh. America, it's losing its identity by permitting others who are not Western Europeans. Uh, and, and and that nativist rhetoric is what led Pete Wilson in California to in California to unleash this anti-immigration rhetoric where close to 45% of Latinos were voting Republican. And then all of a sudden they went, whoa, we don't want to be part of that. Right. So Republicans have to speak about immigration in a, in a reconciliatory way, which sounds like this. This nation is a sovereign nation. People must come here legally, period, legally, period. The rule of law is the rule of law. With that being said, Immigrants are a blessing when they come here legally. 
and they come to enrich the collective of what we call the American experience. There it is. Yeah. But you know, you, know what other, you know what other thing? I want to bring up this because I know that you have an opinion on this. What I find is that the left seems to be bringing up this idea of Christian nationalism. I mean, this is the boogeyman. <laughs> Because nobody on the right is saying, I'm a Christian nationalist. No, that's a left kind of leaning. I I laugh. I'm sorry for laughing. (laughs) But I've never met a Christian nationalist. I'm trying to like and I travel like extensively. I do, by the grace of God, major conferences, every denomination. Um, I do evangelical. I Catholic. I mean, I'm I'm across the board in, in respect to my connection to the Christian world. And and I'm I I sorry I've never met one. Yeah, that's I've what I don't met, understand. I don't it's like this is it. something brought up by the the political left, the Christian left. I mean, if you can actually, I mean, there, there's just I keep yeah. vote common good, which was created by a a pastor, a Christian pastor in Minnesota, um, and they have this whole campaign to thwart Christian nationalism. And I'm not even sure who they're talking no, about. That's, no, that's just, that's just silly putty. It's just the attempt by the left to, to put a lid on Christian activism at, as it pertains to voting. The, the pro-lifers, pro-religious liberty, pro-biblical justice, no to socialism, and government is not God, parental right Christians. Yeah, every, every one of us. And who, who love our Judeo-Christian value system, who believes it's God over man and man over government, and that's what makes America exceptional. God over man, man over government. That's the pecking order. So there is no such, let me make this clear. Christian nationalism is a, an idea created by the Christian left and the left for the purposes of attempting to stop evangelicals and conservative Catholics from continuing to advance what I call the Lamb's agenda. But we're not biting. We're not swallowing the pill. We're not drinking the Kool-Aid. Quite the opposite. We're going to see more and more activism like never before. Wow. I want to get to your book, Your Mess, God's Miracle. The process is temporary. The promise is permanent. Um, what is this about? I mean, it's about faith, about blindness, about, you know, well, f- putting the yeah, faith in God. It, I mean, just seeing more. But you have this wonderful way of stating the obvious, but it's like, but it's just so deep. So tell me more about this book. Yeah, I was inspired by John chapter nine. It's a story of Jesus confronting a man who was born blind. Jesus engages in a very unorthodox facilitative methodology, and I do not recommend it. What does he do? (laughs) He takes his spittle, his spit. You heard me correctly. Yes. I, I, I I don't know if it was allergy season or not, but I do know he took his spit. And he takes his saliva and he mixes it with dirt from the ground, makes a mud ball, spreads it on the blind man's eyes. First of all, Lauren, in scripture, this is arguably the first double blind study. Anyway, back to the story. So, Sorry, I'm here all week. I'm here all week. So Jesus spreads the mud. And here it is. What's in the spit of Jesus? What literally, not metaphorically, but scientifically, physiologically, what's embedded in his spit? His DNA. Right. Jesus literally took his DNA. His DNA, the DNA of God in the flesh, the word made flesh, the son of man, the son of God. He took his DNA. He mixed it with dirt from the ground. What did God make man out of Genesis 2-7? The dirt from the ground. Wow. So he went to the original blueprint. He, he took his DNA, went to the original blueprint, places it on the eyes of a man who was born blind. In essence, 
saying the following. With your DNA, you can't see anything. With my DNA, you're about to see my glory. Wow. With your DNA, you are permanently traumatized. With my DNA, you will have a powerful testimony. With your DNA, you can make excuses. With my DNA, you're about to make history. And that story inspired me to say, wait a second. A miracle can come out of a mess. Matter of fact, a miracle did come out of a mess. What if our personal messes will become God's miracle in, in our family, mm. our home, our marriages, our health, our relationships? What if my generational mess will become God's miracle? What if America's mess? And Lauren, I have to ask you this. It's happening already. Yeah. My, here it is. Let me give you the evidence. The year began with an NFL football player dying live on national television. Two teams coalesce, pray for him, medical intervention. Young man comes back to life, Damar Hamlin. The very next day, an ESPN broadcaster interrupts live on national television, a broadcast to pray, to mm. pray. Right there, what do we have? Next, we have this visitation of God visiting Asbury, Kentucky. Wow. What do I mean by that? The same demographic that Pew, Gallup, Barna, Lifeway all deemed as the most non-Christian demographic all of a sudden, God says, I never got the memo. And he, visits, <laughs> he visits Asbury, the same group, a bunch of generations. These, he visits Asbury. Then we have this Jesus Revolution movie, supposed to make five, seven million dollars. Greg Laurie, personal friend. It's made over 50 million dollars. Wow. What am I telling you? God is up to something. Yeah. God's not done with America. America's not done with God. America's mess is about to become God's miracle. How do people get involved in that miracle? How do people really be part of the miracle and not, you know, and take their message and say, I want to be part of the miracle? Incorporating exactly what's laid out in John chapter 9. That man was not only receptive, but he obeyed the instructions that Jesus laid out when he said, go wash yourself. Which means you have to embrace the finished work of Christ. Everything Jesus did for us, receive it. Receive it and receive it by faith. And then you walk in it. We walk by faith, not by sight. Even when life gets messy, that man did. Jesus did not wash him. Jesus did everything and said, now go wash yourself. In essence, I've done everything. You have everything you need to experience your miracle. Now put some skin in the game, sunshine. Go wash yourself. You know, what's really, you know what's really amazing about this? And you bring up this in the book. You talk about you know how our, our brains create these synaptic connections in order to make yeah. sense of the world, right? As we grow, those synaptic connections kind of come together and we see things and then the input of words when the people around us. And so we create images and we understand what those images are. When Jesus makes a, a, a man who was born blind suddenly see, it's as if he never was blind in the first place. All those synaptic connections are there to be able to identify what's a tree, you know, what's a pond, what's a person. These are, this is the miracle um, that I think is really a part of this. When God creates a miracle, he makes it it's such that the mess was never there. You know what I mean? Like it never happened. Like it never happened. Like it never happened. Correct. Like it never happened. Luke twenty two fifty one actually says he has the power to restore the damage like it never happened. What I love about this is that it, he gave him something. Jesus gave this man something he never had in the first place. Like with Lazarus, he gave him back his life. With yeah. the woman of the issue of blood, he gave her back her health. With this man, he gave him something he never had in the first place. 
sometimes we are so obsessed with God renovating our past. God is not interested in renovating our past. He is interested in releasing a glorious future. And it's the ontological extension of God's amazing mercy to give us something we never had in the first place. Behold, I do a new thing, Isaiah 43, 19. Do you not see it? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are new creations, new people in Christ Jesus. It's about the new thing. So stop holding on to the old and stop asking God to restore the old. Maybe you're asking God to restore something he wants to give you a new version of. The mess. The mess becomes a miracle. Can I can I ask you to make that statement in terms of what we're dealing with in the transgender movement? Can we can you it is. please I think you you would have a really good take on that. It is it, it and it and it breaks my heart because there's so many beautiful men and women who who are struggling with issues of identity and even with issues of identity as it pertains to their sexuality and so forth. We can't be God. The fact that it was his DNA, the DNA of Jesus, the fact that it is God who ordains our identity and our identity meaning completely across the board, who we are. My sexuality is defined by God Almighty. It sounds simplistic because it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it is, and it's physiologically substantiated, by the way. That's why we have the vast majority of non-Christian, atheist, agnostic if people in the field who at the highest level who are saying we are going down a proverbial slippery slope and it's incorrect. It's not scientifically substantiated at all. So for medical purposes and so forth, we need to just push back on the idea that anyone can just shift their identity regarding sexuality at any given time. If you want to do that, if you, if you want to self-identify as something different from your physiology, di- different than what God created you to be, you have that discretion. But please do not obligate every single other person to do the same and do not obligate systems and structures to acquiesce to something that has to do with a personal preference. But God defines you. God designed you. God develops you. Jeremiah 1.5, before you were born, I knew you in your mother's womb and I called you to be a prophet unto the nations. The psalmist said that he knitted us together in our mother's womb and he put us together, every delicate part was created by God. So you're not a mistake. To every person who's confused out there, God will bring clarity. God defines you. Lauren, it's about us trying to make believe we're God. The yeah. moment we say, I am whatever I want to be on any given day, it is Sam Rodriguez attempting to say, I am God. And I am not God. I am the byproduct of God's word, his will, and his way. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Embrace it. Embrace it in Jesus' name. What would you I mean? What would you say, giving advice to something like uh, Anheuser Busch and their Bud Light, and uh, having you know Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender uh-huh. personality? What, what I mean, they're not obviously Bud Light or Anheuser Busch is not a religious organization, but there are businesses uh-huh. who look only at the bottom dollar about, ooh, let's do this. What would your advice to them be? I mean, they lost six See, billion, six was it six billion dollars or something off of that? Yeah, uh, yeah, six billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so it's, I have a different take on this, and let me tell you what my take is. Even with not just Bud, but even other entities like Target in California removed uh, boys and girls departments. Right, right. Um, so there's no boys and girls, right? My my take is, if this word equity, Lord, it's that's the term in the past three years, right? Equity. Right. 
It's right. the new, it's, it's the it term. Okay. So it's the equity regarding what? If it's social constructs and worldviews and ideologies, I want equity. As a Christian, I want Bud and Heiser Bush, I want Bud Light to do a commercial that's pro-Christian. Okay. I want equity. I want equity from Target. If Target's going to celebrate Pride Month, I want Christmas and Easter elevated, not with the bunny, but with the lamb. I want equity. In other words, Sam is not saying don't promote Nick Mulvaney or whatever it may be, but if you're going to promote him, you're going to have to promote a Christian artist and a Christian person, explicitly Christian, out there. Put a picture of the Pope drinking a beer if you want to. <laughs> my, my, my point to you is equity. Demand equity, and when we don't receive equity, then we can say, now you're discriminating. And you're not just discriminating against any group. You're discriminating against the largest faith group on the planet, and the majority of Americans self-identify as that group. So you're discriminating against a very large group. By the way, you're the majority of African-Americans, Christians. Yeah. The majority of Latinos, Christians. So you're discriminating against the minorities in America who are primarily Christian. That's what we should do. We should push back with this campaign for equity. We are what we tolerate. And we've, tolerate, we've tolerated Disney, Anheuser Bush, so many others just presenting ideologies and attempting to just what? Indoctrinate us. And without very little pushback, it's time to push back and do it with the bottom line. All righty. Uh, and it's uh, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. Uh, you've got a book out, uh, Your Mess, God's Miracle. The process is temporary. The, the promise is permanent, but you've got so much more to offer. Where can people find out more about your books and uh, a lot of your writings and where you're going to be speaking? PastorSam.com, PastorSam.com or NHCLC.org. And they can watch us on TBN, Daystar, Roku, constantly on Fox News and different networks that carry our, our television program and our interviews. All right. Thank you so much, Reverend. Uh, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you for having me. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. All right, and thank you for listening to Lighthouse Faith. My name is Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.